What's up, everyone? Tara Roberts here, and welcome to Dear Miss Fantasy for Week 7. We are the official mailbag show of Player Profiler. We're going to do things a little bit different this week, because obviously this is a crazy, crazy week. I mean, just like massive alerts, mayday, mayday, all fantasy teams are down. All fantasy teams have been hit with injuries and bye weeks. Um, I know you're feeling it. I'm feeling it. I'm just, I'm seeing it everywhere. It is absolute madness. So literally every single mailbag question and topic is related to all of the catastrophes that are going on in the NFL right now. So we'll hit the questions throughout the show um, because this is absolutely insane. We're just going to work it all in. <sighs> And let's go ahead and dive in because there's a lot to cover. I will start off with um, my big hot topic of the week. Because it is injury adjacent, chaos adjacent, um, and just questions all around from people. Questions from people regarding Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, what to do with him. I mean, just absolute madness. So we'll start off with... Um, Kirk Cousins in the Vikings without Justin Jefferson. They're post Justin Jeff, not officially, right? He's, you know, he's not slated to miss the entire season, but he is on IR and it could be more than that. So we are in the apocalypse of no Justin Jefferson in Minnesota. So I, I had to go back and look at last week's show because I was a little surprised um, that I didn't even talk about that at all. I mean, I talked about selling Justin Jefferson a little bit, but other than that, we didn't go deep into it. I was very distracted by last week's theme of the disaster in Denver. It was a good theme and it panned out. It panned out too, because podcast version would have gone out after the Denver game. So I was, you know, I was throwing like, you know, some risk out there talking about Denver being a complete disaster. So fortunately for me, um, all paid off. Or did it pay off? I don't know if that really counts. Doesn't really count since I do roster Jerry Judy. Oh. Hopefully he'll see a, a new location and revive. I don't want to say revive, really, because it didn't ever really start off. Just like a new, new place. Feel better for Jerry Judy. Be a new, different version of him. Not the version that um, Steve Smith was talking about. Anyway, distracted by Denver again. No Denver. No Denver this week at all. We are talking about Minnesota. The sinking ship in Minnesota. Love the thumbnail. Um, recap of last week. Let's do that real quick. No Justin Jefferson. Um, nothing but problems. Ugh. Kirk Cousins. 21. I mean, it was efficient day for Kirk Cousins. We say efficient-ish. Um, it's not like he was inaccurate. Wildly inaccurate. He was 21 of 31. 181 yards, though. That is awful. One touchdown. Then we go to Alexander Madison. Let's, yeah, let's talk about the running backs here. Alexander Madison, 18 carries, 44 yards. Four receptions on seven targets, 28 yards. Cam Akers, one carry, <laughs> eight yards, one reception for seven yards. KJ Osborne. We're going to move on to the wide receivers. Yeah. KJ Osborne, four receptions on five targets. 48 yards, leader in yardage, not in fantasy points because Jordan Addison with his three receptions on five targets, 28 yards, got the touchdown from Kirk Cousins. Then we had Brandon Powell stepping in as the three, three receptions on four targets, 
20 yards. And then TJ Hawkinson, the target leader, six receptions, eight targets, 50 yards. Um, obviously, ball spread around a ton here. So uh, let's dive into it. We'll start off with um, the lowest hanging fruit issue, and then we'll work our way up. Um, Alexander Madison, this was not a great day from a fantasy perspective. Yards per carry, terrible. He did get receptions, which at least in PPR-wise helped get him over those double-digit fantasy points. But um, or right at uh, yeah, slightly over, slightly over, uh, into double-digit fantasy point territory. But the thing that I want to pull out here is a special request. Can we stop trying to make Cam Akers a thing? This is not a endorsement of Alexander Madison. He's just a guy. Uh, I don't see any significant upside for him. He is the lead back, though. And I just want people to stop saying that Cam Akers is going to happen. It's not going to happen. Like, I'm the kind of fantasy analyst that when I disagree with your take, I'm not calling you out. I don't I don't like those fantasy analysts that, like, you know, will quote, t- quote tweet um, a, <laughs> a, a take that they don't like from another analyst and, and just call it, this is why, you know, the fantasy community, blah, 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 blah. like, it's unnecessary. Why are we fighting? Why are we fighting? Um, so I'm not going to do that. So I've, I've been quiet in terms of my... You know, I'm not going to criticize. I've just been very, nope, no cam makers, not picking up cam makers, don't want cam makers. We're not looking at cam makers. Um, no, cam makers trade never hit a waiver wire list for me. Nope, 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 nope. The thing here is that I think we were trying to, not we, because I wasn't involved. I think people were trying to hold on to original takes right you get take luck and because you drafted a lot of cam makers and i know i drafted cam makers this isn't a criticism here i didn't avoid them i um drafted especially on my best ball teams lots of cam makers on best ball teams so i'm not happy about that but i can admit this thing isn't happening um i feel like people are kind of looking at the stats and trying to make something there that's not there Acres was never cutting into Madison's workload. It never happened. I can break down the numbers here so we can literally see it. Because every single week, someone kept saying, no, I mean, he's, you know, we're seeing an increase from Acres. He's cutting into Cam Acres' workload. No, no, no. Madison's workload was fluctuating with the flow of a game and how much he was being utilized and how many carries he was getting. Cam Akers' usage was not fluctuating. Cam Akers' usage was not increasing. His first game in Minnesota. Five carries, 40 yards, two receptions, 29% snap count. The yards per carry is what got people excited and, oh, he's the superior back. Let's go. Okay. Second game, five carries, 15 yards, two receptions yet again, two receptions again, 29% snap count, 29%. Same as first week. Okay. How was that cutting into a workload? It was not. Madison's workload was fluctuating. Cam Akers was not. Now, third game here. Cam Akers, one carry, eight yards, one reception, 16% snap count. He is not cutting into Cam Akers' workload. The only thing that you can possibly hang on to here is 
that he doesn't cut into Cammy or cut into Alexander Madison's workload, that maybe this past game is just so <sighs> depleted without Justin Jefferson that they decide we're just going to try and run the ball more. It could happen. It's a possibility. I don't think it's going to because the run game is not successful at all. Uh, yeah. Just, like, can we just stop there? The running backs, neither one of them. It's not happening. And the only reason that Madison is usable is because he is getting that volume and has the receptions and therefore he can get you to 10 fantasy points in PPR. And that's about it. Um, moving on from the running backs, because that was the low-hanging fruit right there. We're going to talk about Kirk Cousins' mailbag question. Are we dropping Kirk Cousins? <sighs> this is a complicated one. We'll talk it out. Because this isn't the first bad game of the season for him. He had 12 completions for 139 yards against Carolina. Justin Jefferson was there. It was just masked by two touchdowns. Cousins will give you a dud. Cousins will give you dud games. And it will happen in games where you didn't expect that games. Now, granted, Carolina does have the only thing I can't remember is Caroline if Carolina's secondary was healthy at that time. Because it was earlier in the year, JC Horn might have been there. I genuinely can't remember what game he got hurt. Um they, uh, and there are other what is it, Xavier Woods as well. Um, I can't remember if they were injured or not. So I don't know what kind of matchup that was. But Kirk Cousins will do that to you. He will give you a dud game. Multiple times throughout the year, did it last season. It just happens with him where all of a sudden, even not in prime time, he'll pop up with 100-something yards, have a bad day, and just Kirk Cousins you. But it is concerning that he couldn't take advantage of the Chicago defense. Even if you threw interceptions, even if you had uh, lost the game, they didn't, but even if you lost the game and had struggles and whatnot, you should be able to put up numbers. You should be able to. Uh, the fact that they could not put up numbers when multiple bad teams and bad quarterbacks, I say bad quarterbacks, but you know, non-QB1 quarterbacks have had strong games against Chicago's defense, that's concerning that Cousins couldn't take advantage of it. And the problem here with him not being able to take advantage of this Chicago defense is that the road ahead is very difficult for Minnesota. They get San Francisco this week in prime time. <sighs> A San Francisco team that is angry. <laughs> they're they're furious. <laughs> they're coming off <laughs> a loss to the Cleveland Browns led by PJ Walker. Do you not think that everything in San Francisco's soul particularly defensively, is going to come out and try to obliterate and launch Minnesota into the sky, like just a burning flame into the sky. That's what I imagine that Kyle Shanahan and that entire defense are like just scheming up right now, thinking what can they do to take out every bit of anger that they have from that Cleveland game on this Minnesota team. I cannot imagine starting him this week. I know we've got bye weeks. Um, I know we've got bye weeks and we've got injured quarterbacks it's, and it's a problem. Like I've got Trevor Lawrence on the team right here. I'm, I'm struggling in my mind. I'm just like, you know, Hey, I, I, you know, 
things are difficult right now. Justin Fields, we've got all of these injuries, Jimmy Garoppolo, even your streaming options are just, you know, we've got the people that already lost Anthony Richardson. So people are thin at quarterback, but I just can't fathom a scenario where I start cut Kirk Cousins this week. I couldn't do it. Maybe he has a good game, but I can't in good conscience put him into a fantasy lineup and I can't in good conscience recommend him as a start to anybody. Then after San Francisco, where I assume they will be again obliterated and launched into the sky in a big fiery (laughs) explosion, they have Green Bay. You say, oh, Green Bay, it's not, if Green Bay is good at one thing, it's their secondary. Atlanta, good secondary. New Orleans, good secondary. That is the road ahead for Minnesota. It's not getting easy for Kirk Cousins specifically. The run game does, in fact, have to step up. I'm still not advocating for acres, but this is going to be tough. That is a rough road just to get to eventually, down down the line, Denver. And then again, back to Chicago. And then the bye week and then hope Justin Jefferson is back. That is the, like, that's the reality here. Minnesota has San Francisco, Green Bay, Atlanta, New Orleans. Tough defense. Very tough secondaries. All in a row, good matchup against Denver. Another matchup against Chicago where he couldn't take advantage of you know, their defense. Then they have the bye week. Through the bye week, can you really say? I mean, just aside from Denver, that's the only matchup where you'll say, okay, yeah, I'm rolling out Kirk Cousins. That's it. Other than that, there have got to be better options moving forward. I don't feel like other than Denver, you can confidently roll him out until week 14. And you can't really wait for that. Kirk Cousins to me is a streaming option moving forward. If you have to do it, you have to do it. There's one good matchup there. So maybe you drop him and jump back in at some point. I don't know. Maybe you are holding him, but he's a bench spot at this point for the next month, unfortunately. So it all depends on if you're able to hold him to get to the better matchups and get to when Justin Jefferson returns. It's possible that he could return before that Denver game. And so then you get him back at Denver. I don't know. We do the math on that. Yeah. So one, two, three, four. Yeah. He could return for that Denver game. And then you, you know, have a great potential boom situation. So you could hold till then, but you're holding four weeks. If your team can afford to do that, do it. Cause I know things are tough right now. Again, we've got bye weeks. We've got lots of injured quarterbacks struggling struggling. That said, I do think that he is droppable because he's a streaming option moving forward. If you have to hold him because your league is hoarding quarterbacks, which is very common in leagues now, very common with all these injuries, um, you could do it. But if you have to move on from him, don't feel bad about it. Um, The other thing we'll talk about here before we move on from Minnesota is the, um, (laughs) is Jordan Addison. So I recommended Jordan Addison like 5,000 times as a start. And I feel, I felt bad about it the whole day. I'm not going to lie. On Sunday, I just was like, (sighs) I feel bad when I start the wrong player on my fantasy team. It's just like, oh man, Tara, you should have known better. Why'd you make that choice? Why didn't you switch that? But I feel horrible 
when I wholeheartedly recommend a player to um, fantasy managers and it just doesn't pan out. We're grateful that he got saved by the touchdown. So it wasn't a loss, um, but he just wasn't the, he wasn't what I expected. I thought we would get a better performance. This was very underwhelming. And um, from a fantasy perspective, at least we got the touchdown to save him. And, you know, it's funny. Um, I don't know if other people are like this. Um, it, and I've gotten better about it, but especially like my first year um, that I, you know, when I started doing fantasy analysis, um, video content start sets um, out with people. The thing that stressed me out the most was, um, and, I, and I found a good balance of it. I started caring absolutely nothing about my fantasy teams. And I had every single start sit question that I got from someone burned into my head the entire Sunday. And so I'd be watching the games like, oh man, I told someone to start him. Oh no. Oh no. Okay. Yeah. I told that like, I just watching the players like, okay, yep. Said start. Okay. That's panning out for this person. This, 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 like, even if I couldn't remember the names, like I can remember reading the screen and reading the comments. Like I definitely told that person start such and such. And that definitely work out, didn't work out. And I would get nightmares, even if I was like, even if it was a fantastic day and most of my recommendations hit, the one player that didn't work out would just literally like eat me alive. I've gotten better about it, but I used to have like nightmares over that feeling bad. Um, but back to Jordan Addison and my aggressive recommendation to start him this week. Um, we can look at this and say his day was saved by a touchdown. Or we can look at it and say... This rookie caught his fourth touchdown in six games. You see, you see how you can kind of flip it to change the narrative there. You can either be disappointed in his production and say, low receptions, low targets, saved by a touchdown. Or you can say, what rookie has four touchdowns through their first six games? Hmm. Sounds like a good rookie to me. Sounds like a promising career to me. Sounds like somebody who is going to have a fantastic back half surge. So you got to look on the bright side here. I'm not concerned about Addison. I'm not going to be concerned about Addison. We've got, um, I'm not, you know, I'm not concerned about Zay Flowers, who's the opposite end concern where he gets all the volume in the world and just finally caught his first touchdown. I've never been concerned about Zay Flowers. I've been very pro Zay Flowers. Um, I'm not concerned about uh, <laughs> uh, Quentin Johnson. Um, I was going to say I'm not concerned about it because I didn't really expect him to step up. But I mean, there's this could be a whole lot worse. And I'm very encouraged by his performance. Uh, Michael Wilson, that's another good one. Who had a boom game, then disappeared. I'm not discouraged by that. I was encouraged by a rookie having a boom game saying, okay, this is somebody who could be something on down the line. When I look at Jordan Addison's production through the first six weeks, I see somebody who is 100% going to be something down the line, who is just a little bit of volume away from Kirk Cousins from being exactly what we expected him to be. He's earned that trust immediately. Someone that comes in fresh off the draft and immediately sees that level of attention from a touchdown perspective. I get it. Um, maybe people are a little bit traumatized by 
Jahan Dotson last year and his aggressive touchdown use absolutely disappearing. But this is a different situation, in my opinion. Um, we got to be positive here because, again, I mentioned receivers. You know, you could be a receiver who has just one touchdown all the season. You could be a Terry McLaurin who is getting the targets, is getting the yardage, um, and you've got a quarterback who is, by all means, throwing touchdowns, who is throwing yardage, but you're not getting those touchdowns. You're not getting those. So, hey, we're going to look at Addison positively. Um, last aspect of Minnesota is TJ Hawkinson. I mean, are people really concerned about TJ Hawkinson? It's TJ it's Hawkinson. He, he gets targets. He catches the majority of them. He gets yards. He will get you 10 fantasy points. Stop being picky. Um, that's a good thing. That's not a bad line. That's a good situation. Stop being picky about TJ Hawkinson and highly critical. We expect so much out of these tight ends that all of them must be Travis Kelsey. Um, no, TJ Hawkinson is fine and reliable. He gives you what you need to be. He gives you what you need to get. And he has the possibility of getting you there with touchdowns as well. So stop complaining about TJ Hawkinson. But we're going to break here for a second and hear a word from our sponsor. Hey, so many ask me, what's wrong with sports books? Why so many of them fail? The answer is simple. They don't innovate. They're just casino sports books on a phone. That's all they've been. There are a few that are doing a good job. We partner with them. Most of them, not so much. Until Bet Openly came along. Bet Openly said, hey, we're going to innovate. We're going to do something groundbreaking. We're going to have peer-to-peer betting in all states. And you pay 1%. When you win, you pay just 1% on your winnings. You heard that right. It's 1%. With code Underworld, you qualify for just that 1% transaction fee on Bet Openly. It gives you ultimate flexibility to set your own lines and browse lines that others have set. Think about it. That's what betting should be. And now that is the reality. BetOpenly.com. The code is Underworld. Check it out. All right. We're going to move on to... Again, we're doing mailbag throughout the show. So that was like the longest mailbag question um, regarding Minnesota and dropping Kirk Cousins, the longest mailbag answer that I've given. But it's an extensive topic and people have questions about TJ Hawkinson and Addison and everybody. So it's applicable. So yeah, it's okay that I spent 20 minutes on Minnesota. It's okay. I'm justifying that for myself. It's my show. I do what I want. All right. We'll move on to uh, injury advice here. We'll do a rundown of the injuries. And again, we've got multiple um, questions kind of weaved in here. Actually, let's start off with a couple of questions here. Um, advice for a GM who has Anthony Richardson, Justin Jefferson, Devon A. Chan, and David Montgomery. My advice is hold your tears back. Cause it's going to be okay. And I can commiserate with you. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, I have a team where I have, um, Oh my gosh, I should have, why did I not write this down? I have a team where I have, um, like two running backs on a bike, like Chuba Hubbard and Tony Pollard. I've got running backs on a bye week. I've got Kyron Williams. So I've got an injured running back and then somebody else who got injured as well. And I literally have, I have one 
running back left on my roster. You got to start two. I only have one. I have one running back. I put in a waiver claim and I'm crossing my fingers that I can grab somebody. Um, I feel for you on that. This is just an absolute insane um, level of football isn't fun with injuries. It just, they kept coming in at such a rapid rate. It just made it so difficult to enjoy Sunday's game. We're sitting here having all these injuries come in and we're just like, throwing our hands up. Like, what can we do? I mean, fantasy football, we're, I mean, you got to manage the injuries obviously, but it just, it's the least fun aspect of it. Um, but I'll answer the question seriously, other than seriously commiserating with you. Cause I feel your pain so much on this. Um, <laughs> have David Montgomery in a, in a three running back, three starting running back dynasty league. And I've been rolling over the past several weeks with David Montgomery and Alvin Kamara and Isaiah Pacheco. And I was feeling confident and cocky, right? And then you get hit. The second you start feeling good about yourself, <laughs> boom, there it is. David Montgomery out and I'm looking at my bench like, it's a deep league. I'm looking at my bench like, <laughs> okay, Kenneth Gainwell, time to shine. Oh my gosh, injuries, injuries, injuries. But specifically... For this question and these specific players, we'll do Anthony Richardson first. I mean, this one is simple. Unfortunately, bail out. You can't hold them. There's, I mean, if you're in a keeper league, that's the only aspect here that kind of throws that in a, a wrench into that. Obviously, if you're in a keeper league, dropping Anthony Richardson is tough because we know that he has legitimate top three upside. Sorry, I'm like adjusting. I'm very cozy today. Um, in my sweatshirt, uh, old sweatshirt, by the way, this is like, like 10 years old. Um, maybe a little more Anthony Richardson. You got to bail out. You got to bail out. Unfortunately, um, there's just no reason we've got the point of him, or the rumors, obviously around season ending surgery. You hold on as long as you can, because it is possible that these rumors are just rumors that are like, now, granted, I say that, and by the time this podcast comes out, by the time this airs, it'll be like, um, I shouldn't even spoke on Anthony Richardson, because the second I speak on a player and his status, that means that something will happen to invalidate the information that I gave. I should have said nothing. I should have said nothing. Um, but it, yeah, just bail out. Bail out, unfortunately. Um, Justin Jefferson. I am of the opinion that you should sell him. Because obviously right now, people respect Justin Jefferson, and this is not a you're selling low situation. You're still selling for a solid price. Um, if you are five and one, you know, four and two, maybe even, and you're feeling strong and confident, you're, you've got a solid squad without Justin Jefferson, you can still win games. You can keep him for sure. But if you are at 500 or less, you got to sell. You need somebody that helps you now and you can get good value out of Jefferson right now. I see fair trades come across all the time on my timeline. Just see them. Like, it's like I see a Jefferson trade. I'm like, that's a fair trade. I don't feel like anybody's getting ripped off right now. So it's not a bad time to sell. Um, Devon HN is someone that I would hold on right here again. Uh, and I don't think I spoke on this, this 
in the last episode because we talked about Miami. We've talked about like Miami every single week. I'm surprised I haven't had like a Miami um, moment here in this show because I just love talking about Miami. But um, the thing about Devin A. Chan is luckily we did have the information come out that he technically didn't have to go on IR. They just did so because, again, you can give him that full time period to heal and just kind of you know, transactionally it made sense. But the full four weeks wasn't perhaps necessary. And that is a lot different than, you know, an unknown timeline with James Conner and the news that we have or had around Justin Jefferson and the fact that four weeks was the minimum for him that it could be extended beyond that. He could need more time, could be six weeks, could be, we're not hearing that with HM. We're hearing the opposite of, oh yeah, it didn't, he didn't really need four weeks, but we felt like it was, you know, just good to go ahead and make that move. And on top of that, on top of that, I know we haven't talked about that. Um, Mike McDaniels came out, uh, Mike McDaniel came out and said, regarding Jeff Wilson not being activated, that it was not an, a readiness issue. Literal exact word was prepared. He was prepared. He was good to go. Jeff Wilson could have played. They did not activate him off the list because they needed the spot for someone else. This is exactly what Mike McDaniel said. They needed the spot at another position. You know what that tells me? Jeff Wilson is not necessary. They can be just perfectly fine without him. They're not looking at him like, man, we got to get Jefferson into this lineup. Man, we got to work him in. Like everything off of that told me, I don't have to worry about Raheem Mostert. I don't have to worry about Devin Achan. Both of these running backs will be the priority. And it's possible that even Savan Ahmed has the priority over Jeff Wilson because we know that they really do like him. Like we, like we know for a fact Miami likes him. They let Miles Gaskin go. They made sure that Savon was there. They have given him additional playing time. They like Savon Ahmed. Jeff Wilson might be fourth in the pecking order. He's going to have to work his way back in. It sounds like there is no earned position there for him. So with Devin Achan, you just wait. You just wait it out because he's going to be ready to go as soon as he comes off of IR. I would akin this to a Cooper Cup where he comes off IR and immediately is ready to go into his normal workload. That's what I would kind of compare this to. So I'm feeling confident about HN. So hold on him. You, you got to do it. He's a league winner. Make it work. Um and then David Montgomery, you can just cross your fingers that this is not, we haven't had an exact timeline on him yet. I say that, but I shouldn't have, again, the podcast, that information. As of this filming right here, <laughs> we don't have an exact timeline. Um, so you cross your fingers that it's not more than a couple of weeks on David Montgomery. And um, But if you get the opportunity to sell him at a fair price, I think you can. Because obviously you're not relying on David Montgomery. You didn't draft David Montgomery as your RB1. Unless you went zero RB. But you didn't draft David Montgomery as your RB1. So you've got presumably other running backs that you can rely on. If you can sell David Montgomery for a fair price. And I say for a fair price because 
We know factually that man is the RB1 of Detroit. We can be in denial about Jameer Gibbs all we want. Like, just, <laughs> I say we, but um, I don't have any Jameer Gibbs shares <laughs> because he was on my risky players list of people that I looked at and was like, mm, I don't know about this one. And the reason had nothing to do with Jameer Gibbs because at draft time, Jameer Gibbs was somebody who I was looking at and saying, you guys, you know, this is a first round pick, right? You know that he is going literally like within five picks of Bijan. As soon as Bijan comes off the board, Jameer Gibbs is going. Like, you know that, right? But no, people were, no, he's not a, he's not a bell cow. He's a second round pick. He's this, this, and that. No, you don't understand. He's going in the first round. He is a first round pick. So I'm not, this is not to be very clear. This is no anti-Gibbs whatsoever. Very pro-Gibbs. I have zero shares because of David Montgomery and the fact that people underestimate just how much of a well-rounded three-down back he truly is. You were masked by the um, <laughs> inferiority of Chicago. We'll call it that. Um, Chicago's follies masked the talent of David Montgomery and made people feel lulled into believing that David Montgomery was just a guy. And he's not just a guy. Um, it's so funny. David Montgomery was holding Khalil Herbert back. Oh, okay. David Montgomery is holding Jameer Gibbs back. Oh, okay. Could we not just give David Montgomery some props here and say, David Montgomery is a well-rounded three down back that literally GMs like will specifically tell you they look at him as a guy who is genuinely a workhorse running back. He can do it all, everything. He was very different from Jamal Williams and the way that Jamal Williams was literally a short yardage goal line back. David Montgomery is not that. So people underestimated the willingness of this Detroit team to make him a legitimate RB1. And it's exactly what we got here. So get your value out of David Montgomery because, and if you have to argue with the fantasy manager in your league, trying to buy him and like buy him on the cheap, like, no, show him the receipts from Dan Campbell. We have the evidence right here. Here's your RB one. If you want to get him, you don't have to pay. So hold or sell at a fair price. Um, another question here. If fields is out, um, Derek Carr, Gardner Minshew or Desmond Ritter. I love, 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 love this question because it is very nuanced. And your immediate thought might be something different than what the best option is. Um, Gardner Minshew, right off the bat, I am terrified for Gardner Minshew in this matchup against Cleveland. Cleveland's defense is severe. They are real. They are the real deal. I do not want to start a quarterback against Cleveland. I can't do it. I can't do it. So that literally just nixes Gardner Minshew right off the bat right there. Um, Desmond Ritter, it, it's tough to say no to Desmond Ritter because from a fantasy perspective, it's been there. But the problem is, and this is just, this is literally conjecture. I have no evidence. This is just me watching the game. The camera kept panning every time Desmond Ritter threw an interception, every time Desmond Ritter did something wrong. The camera would cut to Arthur Smith. And the look on Arthur Smith's face wasn't 
it wasn't anger because coaches get angry at you know somebody making a bad play like um who was it um oh man who made the bad no tyrod taylor tyrod taylor tyrod taylor made a bad play um on monday night and immediately you know dable was with him on the sideline you could tell dable was angry talking and explaining and you could see that that's not a bad thing i want my coach to get fired up and angrily you know talk to the player i want my coach to have reactions to bad plays but when the camera kept panning to arthur smith it wasn't anger that was on his face it was, it was, how do I describe this? He looked exasperated. <laughs> he looked perplexed. He looked like there was, it was the face of a man that couldn't get angry. Couldn't be happy. It was just a, it is what it is. There's nothing I can do about this. I can't change Ritter from doing this. There's no adjustment in play calling that I can make. This is who he is. I can't get upset about it. I can't. Why would I get upset about it? This is who he is. And that level of reaction made me feel like it was a weird reaction. That screams to me, I'm not going to correct your mistakes. I'm just going to pivot away from you a little bit. So I got a bad feeling based off of that. Again, this is just conjecture. <laughs> I got a bad feeling that what we're going to see from that is the pass volume decrease a little bit because it's been strong. We've had strong pass volume from Desmond Ritter and I get a feeling that we're just going to see that drop now and we're going to see a tilt back to um, Bijan and Tyler Algier both getting aggressive workloads. I think that's what's going to happen. So it makes me a little bit concerned, a little bit scared to start Desmond Ritter. So that leaves us with Derek Carr. Um, and Jacksonville is not a good matchup. So that's the issue here and why Carr is debatable with these guys. So, you know, he's been up and down this year. He was dealing with a shoulder injury. He did recover from the shoulder injury last week. Over 350 yards. Jacksonville is a tough matchup. But it's the best matchup right here. It's the one that I can trust the most. Um, I don't think we'll run through all the other injuries here because we're running a little bit long and I want to answer a few more questions here. Um, and I do also want to remind people that the player profiler all-in package has been lowered to $85 through the end of October. And the all-in package, it's amazing. It gets subscribers access to our player rankings, dynasty rankings, DFS, Dominator, data analysis, and the world-famous draft kit when it drops in the off-season. You gotta get that. Come on. So make sure that you take advantage of this. Um, price is good. Get in now. All right, moving on to the mailbag questions. <laughs> okay, I'm going to do this one first because um, this is an easy one. What to do with James Cook? Um, you got a hold on James Cook, unfortunately. And I will say this, I 
am now Bill's running backs are right up there with Patriots running backs for me, but worse, maybe Um, worse because if the Patriots offense hadn't been so bad this season, Ramondre Stevenson really wouldn't be a bad running back from a fantasy perspective, but their offense is just struggling as a whole. But when it comes to Bill's running backs, <laughs> someone on Reddit, um, I read a comment on Reddit of someone saying that Sean McDermott was the kind of guy who likes to do stuff just to feel smarter than everybody else. And it's probably one of my favorite comments that I've read all week because that is 100% true. There is no logical reason for him to keep pulling James Conner around. So, okay, James Conner, Kim, you know, short yardage, goal line. No, he can't do this. When we have ample evidence that small backs can be very successful at the goal line if you let them, but he's not being given the opportunity. Um, he seems very stuck. He seems, and this is not just this year, that last year we see Zach Moss going on and having success. Um, <sighs> Sean McDermott, seems very stuck in the way that he wants to operate and unyielding to change. Like I, a good comparison for me is Andy Reed and his usage of his running backs. Like last year, um, it took him very little time to move on from um, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Say, oh, we, we messed up. We went on Clyde Edwards-Alaire. We're giving Isaiah Pacheco the chance here. And then when it came to Isaiah Pacheco, utilized just on the ground like okay we don't trust him through the air but at some point he started to say okay let's try to give this guy some passes he saw increased usage in um pass yardage again once we got towards um the playoffs now this year we see him getting you know six targets or something like he's being utilized in the pass game because Andy Reid is not stuck on a take lock for him. And just like, okay, this is how I use my running max. No, you can, you can make adjustments. You don't have to say this guy right here is a running back that can't catch. You don't have to say that. You don't have to say this guy right here is a running back that I can't use at the goal line. But Sean McDermott seems to have that thought process and it's not working out. And um, you have to hold James Cook because if you sell him right now, right now you'll get nothing. He is the lead back. I don't think anyone is overtaking his workload. Um, Again, we had the Leonard Fournette thing, but obviously that's not panning out or anything. And it was maybe more so related to Damian Harris. <sighs> He's an RB1, but this is just a very frustrating situation, obviously. Uh, moving on to the next question, Elijah Mitchell versus Jordan Mason. Jordan Mason. I've got this question from about 5,000 people. Um, so we'll break it down here real quick because I'm running short on time here. Um but again, we know the Christian McCaffrey injury, obviously. And it's possible that McCaffrey could play this week. And obviously, this is after this right here. This show is after waivers run. So this is not a waiver recommendation. But this is just like people are making their claims and you're going to end up with one. So it's a matter of how much you trust him to go, uh, the guy that you end up with to go into your fantasy lineup. I lean towards Mitchell. A lot of people, you know, the answers they're giving, you know, well, it could be either one, toss it up in the air. And it, honestly, it could be, and it could be both. It could be a committee. I lean towards Mitchell because last week, we got to remember he was being eased back into action. The level of workload that he got was not indicative of 
Jordan Mason being superior and Jordan Mason having taken over his spot, it was indicative of the fact that he was coming right off of an injury. So you got to take that into consideration there. On top of that, we did have Kyle Shanahan come out and speak on this, right? And he didn't clarify anything, you know, like at all. Don't like to be very clear. He clarified nothing. But what he did say that caught my attention, it felt like a defense of Elijah Mitchell. He said, and a lot of times people forget this, Elijah Mitchell, you know, the injury issues obviously are a major concern, but when he has been healthy, this is couching in, when he has been healthy, Elijah Mitchell has been a strong contributor to the team. We cannot deny the fact that this man came in as a rookie and immediately stepped in as the RB1 of San Francisco. And the only reason that Christian McCaffrey was traded for was, again, because he got hurt. They needed someone, they needed a workhorse they could rely on to take them to that next level. And Elijah Mitchell wasn't it um, from a reliability standpoint. So they took the chance on Christian McCaffrey and it worked out. But Elijah Mitchell's problem has never been production. It has been the fact that he straight up can't stay healthy. So if he's healthy, I just can't fathom a situation where they don't give him a strong workload. It could be a split backfield. But I think people are underestimating that the preference might be Elijah Mitchell here. And I don't think they're going to ignore Jordan Mason because, again, Shanahan specifically said we can't ignore the production that Jordan Mason has been having lately. So they're both going to contribute. I lean towards Elijah Mitchell. Um, we'll do some trade targets. We'll close things out with some trade targets here. Um, before I do, by the way, um, again, make sure that you are watching shows across, across the entire player profiler network. Uh, but specifically, I want to talk about um, first class fantasy on Thursdays with Billy and Theo, uh, two of my favorite people. They're on this week um, at 1230 EST with Jared Smola. You cannot miss the show again. First class fantasy. The name says it all. Literally first class top of the um, top of the uh, fantasy industry advice here across the board. They have fantastic guests. Literally a top tier guest every single week. So make sure that you're checking that out. And it is literally a must watch show. And I don't say that a lot. Do I say that a lot? I don't think so. But truly it is. It really is. All right. We will close things out with some trade targets here. I get a lot of questions around, um, should I sell and should I buy and this, this, and that. So I did want to, since we got that, we're going to do some trade targets real quick to close this out. Um, at tight end, it's a trade target for me. Um, and again, it's not really a buy low trade target because Mark Andrews is the wide receiver one in total points scored in PPR and wide receiver two, or I'm sorry, tight end four and total points scored in PPR and tight end two and average points per game. He's not having a bad season, but for some reason, general sentiment about Mark Andrews is just kind of negative. They're underwhelmed. They want the big Travis Kelsey type of production, and they might be willing to sell him. And there's so much hype around Sam Laporta. I can see where you can flip um, Mark Andrews or flip Sam Laporta from Mark Andrews. I would do that trade. I, I think that Mark Andrews is one of those players where people underestimate just how solid his floor is. He gives you a solid floor and it'll, it'll get masked as not being like, Oh, it's, this is not like, this is not the upside that I want, but at least he's 
given you solid production on a week in and week out basis. And he does give you those boom game opportunities too. So I think he's a very solid option. Another one that I love is Derek Henry as a buy low. Um, and it shouldn't be a buy low because he's actually like a, a top 12 back, <laughs> but, but people don't see it that way. People don't see it that way. And people want to use this time uh, coming off of a strong game to sell high on Derek Henry. And I'm advising you to be the buyer here. Um, I get why people want to bail out and the snaps being a concern, Tajay Spears being a concern, although you, you do not have to worry about Tajay Spears taking over as the lead back in this offense. You, you do not. Um, this is Derrick Henry's offense. Production has been a little shaky, not due to Derrick Henry, but due to the Titans offense as a whole. But why I'm recommending him as a buy is because if you're a strong contender right now, if you've got a winning record and you're good to go, you can buy Derrick Henry and kind of just hold right now because this is not like he's on a bye week. So obviously you're not going to be able to use him. You can't buy him if you have a losing record because this is not going to help you. This is for contenders, top contenders in your league. Make a trade offer on Derrick Henry because his playoff schedule is Houston, Seattle, and Houston. You cannot ask for a better playoff schedule. If you want to plan that far in advance, grab Derrick Henry. He could have legitimate top five performances back to back to back in the playoffs games. He's like league league winning upside there. And then my final trade candidate here is Amari Cooper. Um, Amari Cooper is Amari Cooper. And his stats have been underwhelming again because Cleveland has been underwhelming. But you can't pick and cherry you can't pick and choose stats and cherry pick and remove something. Although I do like to do that, I'm not going to lie. But if I did it for Amari Cooper, I, if you removed the Dorian Thompson Robinson game, if that didn't exist, because that's not a fair game, right? That's not a fair game. He was not going to succeed. Nobody did good. That's not on Cooper. He had one catch for 16 yards. Nobody did good. Um, DTR just wasn't ready to play. Without that game, Cooper is a top 20 receiver. Come on now. Make your offer for Amari Cooper, who's been a top 20 receiver, excluding that one DTR game at a time frame where Deshaun Watson has been up and down, right? Um, he'll come back. At least things stabilized with PJ Walker at quarterback. Deshaun Watson will be back at some point. And Cooper, again, will be a solid wide receiver too that you can buy on a good discount right now. All right. That wraps things up. It was a good show. It was a big show. We had lots of stuff to cover. But that wraps up our mailbag show. Um, again, if you have any questions, you can always hit me up on Twitter or Instagram or TikTok. I've got the same username everywhere because I'm um, branding. It's Tara Time, I-T-S-T-E-R-A-T-I-M-E. -E. Um, if you tag me, I do my best to respond and tag me again. If I don't, just like tap me gently, Tara, hello, um, and I will respond. If you're watching on the podcast version, please subscribe. That would be greatly appreciated. And if you're watching on YouTube, make sure that you like the video, um, share it if you like it too, and drop me a comment. Let me know what you think and make sure that you're subscribed to Player Profiler as well. All right. That wraps things up for the week. Uh, appreciate you all for joining in. Uh, good luck with your fantasy lineups. We'll talk to you again next week.